This is the Behavioral Observations Podcast with Matt Sicoria, session number 24. Welcome to the Behavioral Observations Podcast, stimulating talk for today's behavior analysts. Now here's your host, Matt Sicoria. Hey everybody, this is Matt Sicoria, and welcome to session 24 of the Behavioral Observations Podcast. I hope that wherever you're listening that you're having a great week so far. In today's episode, I have a chat with a gentleman named Ryan O'Donnell, and we talk about goal setting, self-management, stress management, taking data on yourself, the operant conditioning of fish, and just about everything else in between. So we kind of go all over the map. And we also talk a little bit about an upcoming conference that he has at the end of the month. Uh, Specifically, it's on April 24th, and it is the Next Gen Revolution Summit, or Next Generation Revolution Summit. You can check that out at nextgenrevolutionsummit.com. I think that's right, but it'll be in the show notes. So head over to behavioralobservations.com and look at session 24, and you'll be uh, good to go. I'll have all the uh, links to stuff that we talk about in there. So again, we talk a lot about uh, goal setting, not so much from a tactical or a you know specific point of view, but more so of you know what are the types of things you should think about when uh, setting goals. So uh, we t- delve into uh, some stuff about act specifically values and committed action. And we talk about also giving yourself some credit for the, all the things that you do do. So, um, again, we kind of go all over the place. It's kind of like taking a walk in the woods and, you know, getting lost and eventually finding your way back to the uh, the trailhead. So we, we kind of, I think, uh, did that here. So um, Ryan also has a pretty cool podcast that we'll be debuting sometime in May called Why We Do What We Do. And he talks a little bit about that at the end of the show. So all in all, it was a fun conversation. And I look forward to speaking with Ryan again in the future. Before we get to the interview, I do want to thank those of you who have participated in the Type 2 Continuing Education units uh, available on my website. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, what I'm talking about is that you can get CEs for driving around your car or walking a dog or whatever you want to do or whatever you do end up doing when you're listening to podcasts. So if you want more information about that, head on over to behavioralobservations.com forward slash get CEUs and you will find all the uh, info that you need. And again, uh, links to stuff we talked about here in this episode can be found at behavioralobservations.com forward slash session 24, or you can just search Ryan in the search bar. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. So without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Ryan O'Donnell. Ryan O'Donnell, thanks for coming on the Behavioral Observations Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, no problem. You know, this is a topic I've been uh, interested in for some bit of time, mainly because it's a personal challenge of mine is to stay organized and stay on task and things like that. So we're going to talk about goal setting and self-management for the practitioner. You know, we've got a lot of demands on ourselves as BCBAs, and we put a lot of time into making sure things go right outside of our own personal lives. Uh, but it's... Uh, Sometimes that's at a cost of uh, keeping things uh, humming along uh, for ourselves. So we're going to talk about things like that. Uh, we're going to also talk about this uh, pretty cool conference you got coming up, right? It's called the uh, yeah. Direct, it's the Next Generation Revolution Summit. Yeah, Next okay. Gen Revolution Summit. All right, that's it. Cool, cool. 
And uh, that's at uh, nextgenrevolution.com. Nextgenrevolutionsummit.com. All right. We just went over that a minute ago, folks. Put Google search and pull it up. That's right. (laughs) If you have any doubt, just get on Instagram or Facebook and uh, uh, it's being uh, marketed. It's in heavy rotation, uh, you know, so you'll see something about it, which is how it came across my radar screen. So anyway, yeah, you'll find it. Uh, We'll talk more about that in a bit. But, uh, you know, as always, the first question out of the gate here is, you know, how did you come in contact with behavior analysis? Were you... um, um, always, uh, had an interest in it or, you know, what was the, what was your first exposure to it? Yeah. So I actually signed up for a psychology 101 class at the university of Nevada, Reno. Uh, I was fresh out of a really small town called Tonopah, Nevada, and it was right in between Vegas and Reno. Um, there was about 120 kids and about half of those were busted in from even smaller towns. So come up to Reno was a little bit of a culture shock. My first semester, everything was just awry. I was trying to figure out how to handle all of that myself. Um, and that's the only class that really kind of resonated with me after my first semester. Um, all I knew is that I wanted to find something that I was passionate about. I didn't know what that was. Um, it's the only one that kind of clicked. So, so were you were, undeclared at that point when you went in? I was declared as biology because um, I was thinking something pre-med, but um, I was functionally <laughs> undeclared. Yeah. I see. So, so anyhow, I, I, Finished up my first semester, went back, talked to my parents, um, kind of had a, a harder conversation around like just grades weren't where I ex- ex- personally expected them, nor did they expect them there. Um, I did all right. I mean, I was going back to school next semester, but uh, it was it was just uh, really unclear where I wanted to go. But I knew that the Psych 101 class was very interesting. I just want to kind of pursue that. So I went back my second semester. I signed up for the next course in the sequence, uh, like numerically, which is just from 101 to 205. Luckily, it was a principles of behavior class going through Maloth's book with a guy named Eric Dubuque, who was mm-hmm. in Linda, Linda Hayes' lab. And it was the first class where I really, or like first time really where like I was good at something or good enough or good-ish. And I could also, uh, like I was very interested in it. It had always been one or the other. So that kind of like piqued my interest or caught my interest, I guess, and turned me on to it. So... From there, uh, I kind of explored all the other realms of psychology. So social psych, educational, kind of like jumped around. I had a whole semester of all those. And then within the end of the first week, I was just like, these are not for me. So I kind of like pulled through that semester, um, wrapped those up, and I hit that professor back up, Eric Dubuque, and just said, hey, what can I do? Um, so you said that there's ways to kind of get your hands on. So that pulled me into the world of uh, adults with intellectual disabilities at a place called PATH. Um, and it was a center day program and I started kind of getting my, my hands into the day to day of like what it's like to be a frontline staff in that world. And I met a couple of cool people there, uh, Mark Melody and Melissa Nosick. And both of them, uh, were very gracious, kind of took me under their wing and showed me how to start really like programming and exploring the depths of some other areas of behavior analysis. So that was kind of like where I got hooked. Um, I started learning how to kind of read about it and like got interested in it. I was talking with more people and decided after a couple of years of seeing people's lives impacted by it, that that's where I wanted to kind of like chase down and pursue more. So I signed up for Florida Institute of Technology's uh, master's program in Orlando, Florida. Started going into grad school down there and what was it? 2011 to 2013. 
there's a lot of not sleeping long nights. Uh, I worked in the fish lab with uh, Dr. Josh Pritchard down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun stories that kind of came from there. But that's where I kind of started like exploring and trying to figure out like what else could you do with this behavior analysis? Hey, um, hey, can I stop you for a sec? Yeah. Okay. So um, can you talk about the fish lab for a second? No, yeah, perhaps for sure. A lot of people may not be familiar with that. So, yeah. So, I, n- I honestly don't know where the state of the fish lab is. So, listeners are going to have to like Google and figure that out or hit up Josh. But, um, really, it started in Reno, Nevada uh, when he was a graduate student in Linda Hayes' lab and he took it with him down to Florida. And the idea was that students can get hands on experience shaping. Um, I thought it was kind of weird at first when I first heard of it. But it was actually really cool. So there was a small small lab that we'd set up, and you could go in there. You could shape fish to swim through hoops. Um, there's different tools out there um, on, like, how you can kind of use them, or I guess, like, what sort of tools you use to, to train them with. But primarily there's a wand that you use that will deliver food. So you stick it in the water, and there's a little plunger at the top that will drop the bottom of it down to feed the fish little uh, flakes. And... There's various different apparatuses, I guess. So there was hoops, there was uh, soccer, basketball, footballs, where you can kind of teach them to hit those sort of things into goals. Um, but what Josh had done is, as we were progressing through there, he started getting more of the, uh, some more kind of like advanced stuff in there. So we had a hoop that they could swim through that was infrared, and it could sense. That was really cool because then you could hook it up to a computer and start automating your schedules of reinforcement and whatnot. So that is essentially where I spent a lot of time kind of playing around with really simple schedules of reinforcement, shaping behavior um, in a medium that I'd never experienced before. So like what I mean is when we're usually working with a human or whatever, an animal, like we're not interacting with water. So one thing that I immediately learned real quick is as soon as you try to uh, deliver an alleged reinforcer, it's very easy to accidentally shape something totally else, uh, totally different up from that. Um, so the water was actually a medium that made it a, made you really pay attention to the procedures and the process and like what you were really doing and like making sure that you were very fast in the way that you delivered things. Oh, okay. So let me just see if I get where you're coming from. So if you drop yeah. a, a food flake or pellet or whatever in there and it just happens to take its sweet time kind of going down, Mm-hmm. The fish could be doing something else, and you could inadvertently reinforce something totally different than what you intended. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're used to delivering something like a token or whatnot, you throw that on the table, you're good to go. But imagine if you went to put it on the table, and by then it's kind of like floating around, and the student stands up and like turns, and now you just accidentally reinforce, you know, that behavior or that chain instead of the one that you're actually intending to kind of go for. You know, so so you had some very confused fish on your hands for a little bit. Yeah, we had uh, it was actually a really cool training opportunity to teach other students um, about those sort of variables as well. So, um, yeah, it kind of it was it was two parts. It was exploring kind of the depths of behavior analysis and the philosophy, no theoretical and other ways. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but yeah, but it was also um, it was also like hands-on training, and that it was a very different way, right, than if you were doing anything with a pigeon or a rat or whatnot. Um, but it was it's been so valuable just that hands-on shaping training like sure sure time. yeah i've had some eab uh background with uh pigeons and dogs but uh yet never never 
nothing aquatic. So, but thanks for that little detour. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. uh, I want to kind of explore that a little bit more. So, um, so anyway, so you were talking about the fish lab before I, I, I got you on this, this tangent yeah. of, uh, inadvertent reinforcement of, uh, strange behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the fish lab, uh, was also, like I said, there was a lot of other students involved. Um, and we explored a lot of other areas. So that's where I started getting into kind of the, these areas of self-management. Um, we can get into those a little bit later on how. But I also got into like, how do we use these, I guess, things, not only in my own life, but like, how do we kind of push beyond like what I was used to, which was a lot of like sitting in the chair um, and working with people one-on-one. And I was interested in how to kind of grow out of that. So I had some mentors that kind of helped me work on how to get into more consulting roles, uh, management roles, director roles. And I, I kind of worked through that during my graduate school time at Florida Tech and then graduated in 2013. I helped Josh start a private school down there in Orlando, Florida called Lodestone Academy. It's still up and running. I think they just like got their second building going. Um, and now the last two years I've spent in Reno, just to kind of get back into, it's kind of related to all this self-management stuff. Things that I love are a lot more, uh, a lot more of the things I love are here in Reno, uh, whether it's the, the activities um, and family and those sort of things. So yeah, now I'm located in Reno, Nevada. I work at a two different places. There's just a nonprofit called High Sierra Industries that I do some instructional design and kind of OBM work with. And then the Institute of Meaningful Instruction, I co-founded with a couple other gentlemen. And we do things similar to the summit, I guess. Um, and it's kind of our place to play around with different ideas and kind of be little entrepreneurs of sorts. And, and what um, do you want to kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so we we were we were working with um, a partner of mine named Brian Hallauer, and he had worked at the Davidson Academy. It's this very well known, uh, prestigious uh, academy here, located at the University of Nevada Reno for gifted and talented students. Um, I don't know the exact requirements. Kind of think you're you're Einstein's of the world, 150, 155 plus IQs. Um, and he, he was two things. He was a musical instructor as well as one of the counselors. And the counselor tools that he had were, were working. But when you saw what we were doing and kind of helping people really explore areas of like self-management and really kind of pursuing their passions, their values, their dreams, those sort of things, he, he was just kind of like, whoa, we need to take this into the gifted and talented world. So what we did is, is just kind of, talked with him for six, nine months about ideas here and there and what maybe the possibilities were. We emailed some people in the field and just said, hey, do you think it would be a good idea for us to do some sort of like online micro course around helping gifted and talented students and their parents kind of line up their values, goals, and daily actions? And they wrote back and said, yeah, make sure you make it online because there's a lot of people uh, outside of Reno that are probably looking for something like that too. So that's where we started, um, was a gift and talented online micro course, uh, exploring self-management. It's still in beta test. Um, we haven't like scaled it up in any sort of way. We've got some options on the table to look at those sort of things, but we wanted to make sure that we had a good idea of what we were doing and kind of the, you know, the science and the process behind it before we were really pushing that too much. So that was the first project that we housed at IMI and, 
now we're looking for kind of collaborations and as those things kind of come up. So this next gen revolution summit was, I got a couple other speaking engagements going on. We consulted and worked and partnered with a, uh, another organization in the area. And they said, we should put something like this together. And I said, scope it out. We both agreed. It looked like a good idea and we decided to go for it. So those kind of ideas on, you know, you need a little bit of resources to pull them off. Um, but they sound like a good idea and worth the gamble. That's, that's kind of what's, the Institute of Meaningful Instruction is, I guess, for us now. I see. So, it's, yeah, sounds pretty. Sounds like a like almost think tanky, uh, but with a with an entrepreneurial bent to it. So, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so you talked about some things that I want to get into uh, a little bit more. So let's dig into some of this uh, self management stuff. So, um, talk about how you got interested in self management in general and. You know, if yeah. you want to go into some specific strategies that you've found personally helpful, you know, jump right in. For sure. So I remember, I don't remember exactly. There was a few different people talking about acceptance and commitment therapy around me in the lab. And I decided to pick up the book, get out of your mind into your life and see what it was all about. And it's not like I was looking for a book to kind of solve problems. I was interested in like, what's this? act stuff about and I should try to look at the consumer level but also the scientific level so I went through that and there's a few strategies in that that I kind of found like interesting and then I started also reading through the actual 1999 like acceptance and commitment therapy book and when I started going through those it was actually the perfect time it was one of my rules in grad school is say yes to every opportunity that was around you Mm -hmm. Um, so I filled my days really quickly and I learned a lot capitalized on a lot but at the same time about a year in when I found these materials was also when just the stress and that I was putting completely on myself um, and being real far away from family for a year and not being used to those sort of things. Like those were starting to weigh down on me pretty heavy. So it was finding that and kind of just realizing that behavior analysis works in those sort of areas that got me interested in it <clears throat> from did, there. Oh, can I ask you, like, yeah. so did you actually do the exercises and get out of your mind into your life? I went through the whole book and I did all the exercises. You did? Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I have the yeah. book. I've, I've read like 75% of it. I haven't done the exercise. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I wasn't looking to solve a particular problem either. I just wanted to check it out. So I, I, I just, it's more of like a poll than anything, you know, a poll with an N of one than anything else is why I asked that question. So yeah, I went, I went through it uh, right around, I went through it at a perfect time. I have not opened that book. I'm going to open that book back up someday and look at it, but I have not opened it for the last like five years. All right. So I should pause for a second and let everyone know. Okay. So this book has, uh, it's like a kind of a, it's got some workbook type pages into it that you'd write in as you go through and stuff like that. So that's kind of, before we got too inside baseball here, I want to take a minute to explain that. So anyway, can please continue? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I haven't gone back and looked at it. It's going to be one of those things that's going to be really cool to kind of jump back into and reflect on. I went through it. Now, I will say that it was very different for me. I wasn't used to doing those sort of things. If anyone's done any of those practices that are kind of mindfulness and whatnot, like I don't come from that background. I wasn't raised in a background around those sort of those values and those customs. So it was very different for me. Um, I didn't fully engage in a lot of them. But just... I told myself, like, I'll try it out. I'll go through this. I'll read a little bit as I'm reading through the the professional materials as well. And that was kind of where I was introduced. Now, from there, there was other materials that I just kind of, like, looked around for. One of them I remember was uh, Dick Malott's – what is it? 
I'll stop procrastinating when I get around to it. That mm-hmm. was the first like manual that I found. Um, and that had some different strategies. So the strategies, there's a lot of them that I'm kind of into personally. I think there's a lot of them that are out there. Um, maybe I'll go into a little bit of what, what I use initially that we can go into maybe some of what's been out there and then we can kind of go into like how that transformed. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay. So I initially just started recording everything that I thought was important to me. Um, so I used to do that through a lot of standard acceleration charts. Actually, I was exploring those and trying to understand how those worked. Um, and I would run anywhere from like 40 to 60 different targets on those. They'd be anything from like your SAFMED cards and your flashcards that you're trying to run for your classes. Or there'd be things like uh, how often I was on my phone or how many steps I was taking, um, how often I was I was talking with my family or texting them and things like that. And I was just kind of exploring like what are things that are of value to me, interest to me, and also where do they fall on this chart that people talk about so passionately sometimes. Um, but then some people, you know, don't enjoy as much. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I would say most, yeah. most, most, well, anyway, I'll, we'll get into that in a bit, but go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's kind of like the blending of those and really it was, it was the two of those coming together really showed me how and what this, that, that funky blue chart was all about, but it also showed me a lot on like where my behavior more or less lived in, uh, these rates and frequencies. So I, I don't think it matters what your, your graphical display is, but just simple, this is what I w- is interesting to me, and recording it was my main thing. How you do that was totally different. Sometimes it was through a phone, sometimes, you know, like automated through, like, the iPhone apps that are already built in, for like your steps, for example. Sometimes it was things that I would, I would tally on an actual app, or things like my pages read. I used to keep a, a sticky note with tallies for every or numbers for every every page of behavior analysis that I read it was kind of a loose measure but I was just like are you consuming the literature um so everything was kind of collected and whatever was easiest but it was it was graphed and looked at that was one of my main strategies um what I started getting into was the value side of acceptance and commitment therapy and relational frame theory and with that the idea I'll go into a little bit like values are these things you can't hold and have. So I can't say, look, I've got health. Right. Right. Um, but I can do a lot of things towards it and I continually can work towards things that we would call healthy. Um, and the, that was kind of like the missing link for me because I, I realized that there's this daily action. I could set some goals and work towards things, but these values were really important for me. So I found some lists online of, some folks from like the act world. I think one of them was Russ Harris's book and he has some free materials online where it was just like, here's some values that people often talk about. And I just read through those, um, once, once a day and just kind of say, what, what do I really care about? And, and that kind of keeps the happiness trap that you're, I believe it was materials out of the happiness trap. Okay. That guy's all over the place. So yeah, it might be something else, but that was my, my second strategy I got onto was just a, a quick, daily check-in of like read through these and try to figure out what you cared about. Um, and I don't like use those per se, but there was things like growth, development, learning, family, um, exercise. Those were the things in health that were like really, I guess 
important to me. So what I did is I just started setting goals around that. And that was about five years ago. What that has transcended into now is kind of a system to where I wake up in the morning and I do a quick review of what I need to do for the day. But I also like to think about those kind of different bins or areas of values of what do I care about? And just a quick reflection on like, how am I doing on those? So a good example would be family. I'm like, when's the last time I talked to my sister, my brother, my dad, my mother? When's the last time I saw them? Um, Because they're all, you know, remote in a way. So I need to like make sure I'm planning time to go see them. And I just kind of go through those real quickly. Um, And that kind of sets a stage for not only like, what do I need to do for the day, but what are things that I, I can maybe use my downtime for to kind of plan for the future. And those work really good on a daily level. I don't get through them all the time. Um, you, you know, you wake up late and those sort of things come become barriers to, to getting those sort of things done. But I also try to do something like weekly or biweekly where I can really sit down for about half hour to an hour and really pull through those sort of things. Um, and that's just at a deeper level. Like how am I doing and kind of plan for the week. So are you looking through graphs at that, in that kind of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I need to paint that a little better. So, Again, the, the tools always shift and change. What I started with was just paper and pencil and, you know, the standard acceleration charts and things all over the place. And now it's a lot more formal. So I have uh, an app that I use. It's called Rike.com. Um, weird name, that? but it's W-R-I-K-E.com. And there's a lot of them out there. It's like a wonder list and those sort of to-do list apps that are out there. Mm-hmm. But it'll give you a lot more functionality. So. I use that and it's basically think of it just like a folder system um, that you'd have on your computer, but you can write a lot of tasks in and you can link them together and, you know, kind of create conditional things, set dates. You can measure how long it took you to do various things. So it's, it's more business oriented and that's where it's used, but I use it for both business and my personal life. So I just sit down at a computer and try to spend about half hour, an hour, and I go through each of those folders, which are just areas that are of interest to me or things that I need to do, and just look at what are my to-do lists and where am I kind of, I just reflect on it, really. I'm like, is this something I really want to be doing and working towards? If not, then I plan my day a little bit differently, you know, my week a little bit differently. That's that's what I do now. Do you have like a, a, a ritual around that? Do you do it like on like at Sunday night at 8 p.m. or something? Or, yeah. or is it kind of like. Got, you actually got really close. It's usually Sunday nights at 7. Oh. <laughs> Kid you not. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just realized like the data part is kind of missing from that. So I sit down and I do that. Um, depending on travel and things, I might move it around. I try to never go more than a month without doing that. That's when things are, I just don't feel comfortable and I don't know kind of what's going on in my own life, I feel like. But the data part, it'll automate some of the data collection for you, depending on like how you want to enter, enter it in there. But as from the, the beginning, when I started exploring self-management, there was a lot of, of graphs. And now it's kind of moved into like, if I don't know what's going on, then I will I will graph and chart it and look at it. But if I, if I can kind of recall throughout the week, like where I spent my time and also say like I was happy with the time that I spent there, then I don't graph it. So I kind of break the rules um, of self-management in those ways. Um, but that's actually led to being a lot more aware of where I'm at and where I'm going, I feel like. I see. You know, I've not been a big to-do list person, much to my own kind of organizational detriment. Uh, and I think 
one one of the reasons why I want to do this show is because I think earlier on in my career, uh, prior to kids and other types of you know, family commitments, et cetera, uh, I was able to kind of keep it all in my head and mm-hmm. I was able to get enough done <laughs> and stuff like that. Now, <laughs> now as I'm, you know, getting older and I've got all these different things and someone's got to go to, you know, uh, uh, you know, karate and someone else has got to go to drama practice and, you know, my car is a thousand miles over for an oil change or whatever. It, it I, I can yeah. see where something like that would be a lot more valuable. And I have, been dragged kicking and screaming into the, the list making world so uh but using that uh software might seem like a like an, an, a a logical next step so i'll definitely check that out yeah and there's there's a lot of different ones out there so i can share some um great another one i guess that's cheaper is wonderlist and wonderlist does wonders as well is that w-u or is yeah. that okay and Another one out there is Basecamp. Those are the three that I've I've used and played around with. They all have different price points, features. You just find the one that you think works well for you and run with it. I've definitely heard of Basecamp and Wonderlist before. Um, so yeah, and 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 for those listening, we'll we'll have all these things in the show notes. So if you go to behavioralobservations.com dot uh, com and just search for Ryan, uh, you, that uh, this show will come up, and we'll have. Uh, links etc in there so anyway um yeah so l- let's uh let's keep going here so you you, you have this kind of weekly ritual where you kind of sort out your week and things like that uh on or around the sunday evening um and if you neglect doing that for a little while you feel like things kind of lose perspective i guess i'm just kind of paraphrasing to make sure i'm on the same page yeah. with you. so w- what else what are what are some other practices that you've found helpful yeah so if anyone's interested, if you're not sure even where to start, like I mentioned, the first place was really uh, that values clarification. Like, what what is really of interest to me? Um, I think that's a good place to start. I don't know if we want to get into depth on those, or if we kind of covered that enough. In terms of what are your values? I mean, we we have yeah. talked about ACT a couple. We've done a couple of shows on ACT, okay. so I think those who are listeners uh, to the show, you know, can. Uh, have been exposed to that material, you know, and, and, you know, so the values piece of identifying big picture things that are important, uh, that you okay. always move towards, but never achieve, you know, health is the, the one that you cited. And that's one that I always use as an example. I always use example of like being a good parent or, a, you know, having close relationships, you know, um, you know, those are things that you, you always work on. You know, and then when you stop yeah. working on them, you don't have them, right? You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, things along those lines. And then uh, I'm always, well, I always try to talk about those things. And I'm by no means an act expert, but as the interaction between uh, the, the committed action steps that go along with the values. So if you have a, you know, stated values of having a healthy relationship with your spouse, the, the spouse, the committed action step to that is, you know, um, making sure that you have planned uh, time to spend together, you know, the, 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 the health piece would be, you know, the committed action yeah. would be, you know, committing to a regimen of, of, of exercise and nutrition and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that, the piece. That I, brings... It's hard to describe one without the other, at least that's the way I've found it. Yeah. And that brings up another area that uh, I kind of embed in that, you just made me realize, which is we, we need to plan those sort of things, but I think we have a, sometimes get caught up in not focusing on what we are doing already in service of those values. So it's very easy to, to look at 
the things that we quote unquote call bad or that we shouldn't have done or, you know, like where we might've wasted time. But that kind of simple shift of this is what I did do throughout the week. Um, that's a big part of my week too. And I have, uh, some friends that help me with that a lot as well. Cause I'm very ambitious trying to do a lot of things oftentimes. And they're just like, I'll kind of beat myself up. Like I didn't hit all my goals this week. And like, well, you did X, Y, and Z. And that's pretty amazing, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like provide that encouragement. Um, so that's another strategy. I think that's just like kind of embedded into that act part of being mindful, but just step back and tell yourself real quick, like, what did I do today? What did I do this week? You know, like there's a lot more that we get accomplished that we care about than I sometimes think that we realize. I see. It just so happens that the you know when you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep at night, you know it's it's easy to ruminate on the ones that you didn't do or the things that you need to still do. Yeah, so I should. That might be a a, a, a shift of of uh, <laughs> of rumination, yeah. you know. So, um, but yeah, and those are some strategies I've used with myself for like in practice, just kind of doing short positive praise statements. Um, there's actually some literature in our field in precision teaching looking at those sort of things having an effect. Uh, something as simple as a minute a day on kind of saying, here's what's going on good in my life can make your life better. So, Wow. I, I, that's pretty cool. Um, so what are some, you know, if we were to kind of put this in the context of a, uh, of a BCBA who's out there running yeah. around, you know, so many of us are spend so much time in our cars. We've got a lot of commitments. Oftentimes we have, uh, responsibilities that are, that are, that are, that are pretty heady, you know, pretty, uh, you know, people mm-hmm. put a lot of trust in us, you know, they, 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 they want us to provide these very important services to their, to their loved ones. And, and sometimes these loved ones have, you know, very significant issues and things like that. And certainly those mm-hmm. things can cause a lot of stress and that's not even touching any of the other stressors in our, our field. Like, you know, all the paperwork that goes along with, say, you know, insurance or, you know, the uh, uh, potential conflict on an IEP team and all those other fun things. Um, so one of the reasons why I want to kind of have you on is talk about, you know, what what are some other things from a stress management standpoint or self-management, you know, they kind of maybe go hand in hand, you know, from, you know, putting that in the context of, of all the responsibilities that, you know, uh, the, our, our field of BCBAs, you know, what we have right now. So what are, yeah. what are some thoughts on that? Yeah. So anecdotally, I would say planning ahead, um, exercise and baseline logic. So we can jump into each of those. So the planning ahead part, we've talked about how I do it. I don't think that there's a certain topography that matters, but, um, spending a little bit of time thinking about where you're going makes it a lot easier in the moment to know what to do. So for example, uh, if you have a lot of books that you want to read that are on a shelf, pulling down the one that you're going to read and sitting it next to your desk and, you know, marking the, the chapter you're going to begin with so that when it is time to read, it's there. Something as little as that can actually help you kind of get going there. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that's personally of interest to me was any kind of exercise related that I enjoyed is actually huge because you mentioned stress management. Um, if I don't keep a regular gym schedule like my at least my self-reports of stress definitely increase um and i start to get a lot more antsy and things like that can kind of get under my you know the daily stress is going to get under my skin easier um now i don't think it's easy to that's always a thing that's very hard to work towards um 
but it's it's just a high priority for me. Um, I will drop social interactions on a Friday night if I didn't go to the gym first thing in the morning. Like, and it took a long time to get there, but that's kind of like you know priority wise, like where these sort of things lie. Because in the short term, I might miss out on something, but long term, it's it's a lot more worth it. Um, the last area I mentioned was baseline logic, which I mean, we're doing this stuff day to day in practice. Um, like I was saying, you can either chart it down and look at it yourself, or you can, you know, watch the interactions as they're kind of going day to day. And if you're keeping track, you know, kind of quote unquote in your quote unquote in your your mind's eye, like in looking at the the variables that are going on here, that's what's what's going to really really tell you if any of these tools or strategies work. You know, like everyone's in a different situation. Um, you were mentioning, you know, kids going to karate practice or whatnot. I am in a position where I don't have a significant other or children. Um, it's an extremely different world for me than it is for you right now, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've always, I've always added that in there. Like, I, I don't necessarily, I can't completely take your perspective to suggest things, right? Like, I can't, I don't know what it's like, you know, being in your, your shoes completely. I, I have a little bit of an idea. Um, but I also don't know necessarily what strategies will work. I can only only say like, here's some ideas, use your science, you know, to try to figure out which ones work best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things? I know we were prior to uh, the interview, we were talking about a couple other uh, things in terms of um, aligning our values with the stuff that we do professionally um, as it relates to, you know, self-management and things like that. Yeah. So there's, I'm not sure where to pick up with that. Okay. Let's come back to that. Let's, let's talk, see. how about we, um, one of the things we haven't dug into uh, uh, too much yet, because we we're talking a lot about self-management and stress management values, et cetera. Um, let's tie that into talking about goals. And we can okay. kind of come back to the values and uh, aligning that with our you know, kind of daily okay. professional work. Cool. So yeah, just like some general kind of tips for goals, I guess, strategies is that what we're looking at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, I mentioned identify what you're currently doing um, and your values. Those are always like your goals need to be tied into those sort of things. Like what's currently going on in your life and what do you care about? Um, but I like to talk about goal hierarchies. Um, so what am I going to do first and where am I going to start, but then like, where do I want to go? So for example, I'll pull one that's relevant to me right now. Um, I like to do like summer outdoor activities. It's about a month or two until those really kick off. Um, and I'm in nowhere near the shape that I need to be in to be able to do some of the things that I want to do. Right. Um, so setting a goal of like, I'm going to run more necessarily isn't a good one. Um, I would say it is generally what I want to be working towards, but what I'll do is I'll start with what are the activities that I really want to do in a couple months? Like how long is the distance? What is, you know, what am I kind of getting myself into and signing up for here? And then from there I can backtrack those out. So if it's a a mileage distance, like in my example, um, that I need to be able to hit, I can, work those backwards from more or less my goal date. And now I've got a structure of, you know, daily, weekly or monthly goals that are in a hierarchy that I can actually start knocking out. So, so it's, if, again, if you're, 
like want to run a marathon or a half marathon, you know, okay, it's either, you know, 26 or 13 miles or whatever. And yeah. that, that race is on July something, you know, yeah. 22nd. So I know by this time I need to do this, that, and the other. Yeah. So having a deadline is really key there. Um, and I've always had to put some time into thinking like how to break them down. So for mine, it's the mileage, the vertical feet, and then the weight that you're going to be carrying. Cause I'm going to do some like Alpine climbing. Um, so all three of those are kind of variables. So from there it was, I just need to be working on increasing all of those, um, throughout the next X months. And I do keep, uh, progress and I do chart progress on that because that is one that, um, I don't, if I don't watch it really closely, I can slip really carefully, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that we haven't really talked about too much that I think is really relevant is a support network of people that are really interested in not only you achieving your goals, but if you can, also the process of goal setting as well. So when I think of, I don't know, like my mind first kind of goes towards like things like uh, CrossFit and those sort of cultures, right? Like they're very goal oriented and there's like a strong culture around those sort of things. So like it doesn't necessarily need to be a behavior analyst, right? That you're talking to. Um, There's a lot of different people that are working on trying to achieve their goals, but that support network of people who share those same values and want to work towards those same same sort of things. It's very nice to have that. Um, And it's not the easiest thing to find. I think with technology, it gets a little bit easier to do those sort of things. There is the social, you know, steps that you need to make as well. Um, but there's, and this is one thing that we, we encounter actually a lot in that Exploring Tomorrow program that I talked about with parents and their kids is they'll have the same values, but the performance isn't necessarily like where the expectations are. Um, and I think that'll happen with any dynamic or any group. What, what the support network should be really functioning as and like what we teach is we're here to check in and review progress and talk about change strategies and where things are going. Like, you know, like we all care about each other It it, it shouldn't, it should be a very, as much as possible, like welcoming process to go through. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like I, whatever you're interested in, like find one of those support networks. So that's where I've, I've, I've built those into any project that I work on business related. Um, and as well as like my personal life of like, Let's give a couple examples. So throughout throughout a month, I'll have a series of six to eight meetings that occur for various projects throughout the month. And the goal there is to talk about what progress we've made and troubleshoot how to move forward. Um, they're not your traditional, like, here's what I did, um, evaluate me and walk out. You know what I mean? Um, they're, they're treated more as a support network. But what they do is they help me keep on track with where I'm going and those sort of things. Um, but I can do the same thing in my own personal life with something as simple as, you know, uh, I do this thing in Reno where Wednesdays we go down to the rock climbing gym and whoever can can show up there for an hour and a half in the evening shows up. And we'll have anywhere from five to ten people show up sometimes. And that's your time to check in on who's doing what and talk about your progress and those sort of things. You know, it's a very casual conversation, but it keeps those gets those social contingencies in there. Um and kind of feedback to help you out. Yeah, I've seen things like the the group process help quite a bit in certain aspects, or it just makes it easier to, or makes it more challenging to blow things off as well if you've got people who are 
interested I won't, I won't even say counting on you but at least interested in seeing you and vice versa you know we see that a lot in uh one of my hobbies is um riding mountain bikes and you know when you have an established group ride that happens every thursday or tuesday mm-hmm. night or something like that you know there's a lot of camaraderie that goes along with that in, in other words there's all these extra reinforcers that kind of get packed in to that activity and it makes it harder to skip or bag out on you know and, yeah you know. yeah it's huge um and like i said like i guess like just to add on to that, like you could, if you skip and you come back, uh, you can kind of experience it in a few different ways. Like sometimes you'll come back and it's like, you know, where you been, you know? And it's like, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> so, um, I became really aware of, and I, I try to surround myself with people who understand, you know, I'm going to ebb and flow in these sort of areas. And, you know, when I'm here, like, let's talk about it and let's, you know, check in with me and see how I'm doing on these sort of things, you know? Um, that way the actual social situation doesn't keep you from avoiding the things that you like, you know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, um, I, I think we could probably keep going on goal setting and self-management and things like that, but I want to make sure we leave time to talk about your upcoming event at the end of the month here. So yeah, uh, let, let's, uh, let's dig into that for a minute. Cool. So yeah, it's, it's all kind of related. Um, like when I, I mentioned, I was at Florida Institute of Technology and just started diving into really esoteric areas of our own literature. Um, some people, you know, a lot of people ran into them. Some people haven't dove into them. Um, they were, you know, your books from like a conference in 1977 that someone recommended on a listserv <laughs> on this really, you know, weird topic. And you're just like, I've seen that reference a couple of times. I might want to pick that up. And... <laughs> Uh, I explored those with my colleague, Mark Mallody a lot. And it was probably five years before we, he was sooner, sooner than I was, but it took about five years for me to really say, like, I think I have a decent idea of like what's kind of been done historically in behavior analysis. I don't know all the details, um, but I have an idea on, you know, where our field's kind of been. From there, there's a lot of the, the current trends and that idea, or I'll kind of rewind real quick to that idea of let's save the world with behavior analysis. Um, I think we can all relate to that. We all experience that at some point in our coursework. Um, and I really do think that the world could be be saved with the help of behavior analysis and a lot of the things that are in there, um, especially a lot of those, those older books and projects actually talk about a lot of things that are very relevant to a lot of today's problems that just people don't know about. Um, a good example is there's a group called the quantified self and they are kind of rediscovering and, uh, a lot of change procedures that we've already identified through, um, behavior analysis. So like, uh, big one talks about them as evidence-based kernels, so like your minimum units of a process or procedure that if you took anything else out, they wouldn't work anymore. Um, and they're basically kind of heading down the route of rediscovering things that, you know, we already pulled through and identified through a lot of research and literature. Um, and I think it's like going back to it, like behavior analysis can't blame the learner in those senses. We just need to get our stuff more out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to really spend a lot of time trying to get out there. So 
I really don't know what it's going to turn into. Um, but what it is is after exploring all that literature, talking to like-minded people at conferences for years, um, we found a group that was willing to, you know, take the more so, you know, risk to try to do a one day event, um, in person, we're going to be in New Jersey, Edison, New Jersey, but also live stream it and try to do things a little bit differently and like very workshop based. Um, but like the community is not going to stop after that event. Um, so what we're going for is kind of looking at where kind of going through some of these processes that we talked about, like where are you at? What's your current setting um, that you're working in? Um, so we have Peter Gerhardt that's going to kind of talk about from the context of intellectual disabilities and working in those sort of settings, like some things that you could actually do to align a lot of your, your professional goals up with in that context that sometimes people don't realize. Um, so I think to kind of like go into that more, a lot of, I think a lot of people don't realize that I guess sometimes autism and related disabilities sometimes pitched as like by behavior on us on like, I want to kind of grow beyond that or, you know, work outside of that. But when we think about it, like there's so many intricacies and things that need to be programmed for and taught there. And there's so much more work that we have to do there. Yeah. Um, it's actually a, a fascinating population to work with when it comes to professional development, I think. So he's going to kind of highlight, you know, what he's been doing in those areas and some areas of further consideration where we need to kind of keep going. So and just to kind of make sure I'm with you here. So we haven't got it all figured out in those populations and there's more interesting and, 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 and meaningful work to be done even within the realm of autism and DD. Yeah. And you can see that through, I mean, do your last podcast, right? I mean, the, the technology and those sort of tools that popped up and, you know, the last 10 or 15 years. And that's, that's just going to continue to blossom. Like behavior analysis is really just starting, I think to like really take, take off in a lot of those different ways, especially as we use technology more to kind of get it out there. Um, but that'll kind of like be our warm up to kind of get everybody like, you know, feeling good and realizing where they're at. Um, and then we're going to go through and a colleague, Mark Mowdy, he's really knowledgeable in all those uh, esoteric references that I was talking about. So he's going to highlight a lot of those projects and some of that research, um, things like rule governed behavior and schedules of reinforcement and things that we, we have an idea of usually, and we're, we're pretty well trained in, but that go much beyond, you know, just the little bit that we sometimes only get covered in core sequences and whatnot. And that'll proceed us into kind of a brainstorming and into what are areas that are really of passion to you outside of the current setting that you're in. And then we're going to spend the afternoon going into really logistics of how can you proceed in those new areas? Like what are the ethics and both professional and behavioral, you know, approaches to ethics of like how you can go about doing those sort of things. How do you consider things like licensure? That's a huge thing that's going on right now nationally for our field. Um, and, it's not uh, off to clarify, like it's not that we're, we're going to be teaching things on how to navigate that licensure per se. There's other bodies for that. Um, but working with people and reminding, you know, through the materials and through the workshop, I'm like, you, you have to solve these problems, you know, and you have to think about these things as you're pursuing these passions of yours with behavior analysis. Um, and the end of the day, it'll just essentially be, uh, a, a good two to three hours of, 
creating these things that we've talked about today, um, action plans and goals and really working with others in a workshop setting on where can they kind of take these sort of things and start running with them. So, so what's the, uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. Uh, oh, let me back up a second. It's April yeah. 24th, right? Yeah, April 24th, uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, Edison, so, New Jersey. Yeah, and it's also online, so anyone can register, and they, they don't even have to watch live if they don't want to. We can send the link afterwards as well, too. Okay, and so you can uh, check that out online um, or, or in person. What's the venue in Edison? It is Pines Manor. I don't know the exact address, but okay. it is there in Pines Manor. And I'm sure all that stuff will be on the website. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me back up a second. So what is the what is the kind of outcome that, uh, you know, or the, the transformation, if you mm -hmm. will, that, uh, you know, if, if, if yeah. a practitioner sees this and says, you know what, this looks kind of cool. I'm not really sure what it's all about. I'm a little on the edge <laughs> here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and of course, we don't we don't like the promise outcomes, or at least I certainly don't in my practice. Yeah. But you know, what 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 do you expect the, uh, yeah. the the outcome or the transformation to be for the participant, someone who who yeah. goes in and gives it like a real good go and 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 is you yeah. know motivated to would, go through all the, pra the 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 workshops and and you know things like yeah. that. I would expect like the large outcome to be you have a clear idea on like where your passion lies and where you want to like where you can start going with it like tomorrow. You know, um, and with that, I, passion could be anything. I kind of look at it as like passion plus behavior analysis. Like if you're looking to grow beyond your current setting, then our goal is to give you a framework to start working towards that. Can't promise you that you're going to finish it like you're saying, um, that sure. you're going to achieve it. Um, but we're really looking to, it, it looks like it's shaping up to really start being, I would hope for it to be this kind of platform and community of people that are looking to, professionally push their boundaries um in kind of their comfort zones and like really commit towards those sort of things create that next you know obm project that you can been kind of sitting on or kind of really look into the that idea you've had on how to create that that you know altered or different service that you've been kind of like scoping out in your business and you haven't like you know you've been sitting on that idea for too long like let's put some time into actively exploring these sort of things and have an outcome of now you have an idea on like where you really want to go with it. Okay. And, and certainly I think all the conversation has kind of led up to this that we've had about, you know, goal setting and things like that would, would certainly apply if you're in that situation, right? You know, how do you take action yep. on this idea rather than just have it floating around in your head? You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I, so I had, some of those things we, we talked about, like writing it down, like there's going to be workbooks for participants to use and materials like that to where um, not only are you, um, you know, having to do those sort of things, but you can also work with people who have done them in different various capacities. Yeah. You know, I have to say when I started this pod, I, I thought about starting this podcast for an embarrassing amount of time before actually taking action on it. So, uh, you know, so if someone's out there and they're, and they're, they're sitting on, like you say, sitting on something or they have this idea that they can't get out of their head of something they want to do, you know, anything that kind of helps jumpstart that process, I think, uh, you know, you know, would be helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. And if it, if it sounds a little vague, it's, I mean, it's honestly because I don't know your situation and we have to spend some time, you know, like providing a framework for you to, you know, communicate your, your perspective and start really sharing it and moving forward on it, you know? Cool. Um, that's, that's where it's coming from. But. So 
one last thing before I let you go here because we're coming up on time and I know you got a, a, a busy evening ahead of you. Um, you are, I've learned today on the Facebooks that uh, you are starting a podcast, you and, and some, some and, a, and a colleague. So uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, real quick, yeah, after Florida Tech kind of wrapped up, I realized that there was going to be no more of a, a lab model in that kind of community and it kind of created a little bit of anxiety and I freaked out for a bit. We started this online group that's now transformed into uh, BX Plus. So it's uh, bxpl.us um, is the, actually the URL to go kind of explore. And it's just been people who kind of didn't have a home for um, talking to people about behavior analysis. And we meet weekly and there's goals and projects around that. But one of them was, uh, like you were saying, like you were sitting on the podcast and waiting for a while. Uh, we actually recorded a couple episodes at various times and talked about it over the last three or four years, and nothing's kind of came from it. And we kind of recycled through what our goals were and what we wanted to work on. And myself and Scott Miller were both interested in uh, sitting down and trying to talk about it. There's a couple other members um, that have expressed interest and are probably going to jump in. but what we're what we're going with is we're right now recording some episodes we need to build up a bit of a bank so that we have uh, enough to kind of handle some of the abi travel and whatnot and it's going to be called why we do what we do and the goal is to really explore psychological phenomenon and put them in a plain english kind of translation it'll be from a behavioral perspective but um don't i guess listeners would shouldn't expect you know behavioral jargon and those sort of things really being introduced. So, very cool. And uh, I imagine that'll be on iTunes and other, yeah, other we have familiar podcast outlets. Yeah, yeah, that's a goal. Like many things, we we start we start moving forward, and we got to figure those things out. But that should be pretty quick to handle. So, I see. do you have? I don't want to again put you on the spot yet, but do you have an anticipated launch date? Uh, we're aiming for before ABI's annual conference in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what our, our rule is, is we need to have eight to 10 banked episodes beforehand so that we can handle some other travel stuff coming up. So yeah, if we can keep on our schedule, then we'll be, we'll be on there. If not, it'll be just after ABI. Right, right. Or you could just, you know, release them whenever you have them ready, like, uh, <laughs> like someone else. But um, anyway, we'll, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, no, having not, them in the can is very, very helpful for sure. So, yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I hoard some, some, some episodes sometimes because I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to go into a dry spell of interviewing people. And then, but anyway, um, that's a, that's a story for a different day. Um, so why we do what we do coming to the iTunes near you, uh, yeah. next generation revolution summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming up on, uh, April 24th. So, um, this has been a really fun conversation. You, you, you sound like you got your, uh, your, uh, hands in a lot of different, uh, it, it, well, that sounds terrible. Actually, you, you've got a, a lot of irons in the fire. I was going to complete yeah. that thought and I probably did. I just stopped it midway, but, uh, anyway, um, you could tell we're recording this on a Friday evening or it's Friday evening, Eastern standard time. So yeah. it's been a long week for me, which probably is, uh, factoring into, uh, some of these uh, uh, some of these rambling questions here. So, uh, but Ryan, it's been really fun having you on here. We'd love to have you back on and hear how this uh, the 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 summit went and uh, anything else that you've got uh, kind of kicking yeah. around. So, 
Thanks again yeah, for joining you. us today. I appreciate the time. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, everybody. I am back by myself. I apologize for getting a little bit punchy there at the end. As I mentioned, it was a long week, and we were just kind of goofing around. And like I said, got a little punchy as the uh, blood sugar got low. Uh, I'm recording this on the Monday, and so hopefully that means I am a little bit more with it. So thanks again for listening to the show. I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool, and it kind of inspired me to track some of the things that I've been uh, wondering about. You know, my major professor, Jim Johnson, always used to say something to the effect of, you know, if you're not recording your own behavior, you're not a true behavior analyst. And that's something I've certainly fallen short of. So I've recently started tracking how much I use my cell phone or play on my uh, iPhone or whatever you want to call it, Uh, goof around, look at Facebook, Instagram, all those kind of fun time wasters. So I'm using this app called Moment. uh, And if you want to check it out, I put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, I just started using it yesterday, and I'm afraid to look at the data. This is a kind of like baseline. So I don't want to be too affected by it. So I'm going to let it run for a couple days and try not to change my habits too much. Uh, although, as we know, there might be some effects just knowing that it's being recorded, but try not to let that play into things too uh, significantly. So uh, uh, maybe I'll report back on that a little bit later. But uh, in the meantime, if you have a chance to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review the sh- for the show, I'd surely appreciate it. It helps get the word out. And uh, another thing, if you want to help get the word out, you can share this on your favorite social media outlet. I, uh, again, genuinely appreciate it. And I think that's pretty much it. And until session 25, I will see you later. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Behavioral Observations Podcast with Matt Sicoria. You can find Matt's notes on this episode at www.behavioralobservations.com. We also invite you to stay connected with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash behavioral observations and on Twitter at Behavior Podcast.